Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. This is a Smart Passive Income podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 53. You've been where? With who? Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he went paintballing once and hid behind a rock the entire time, Pat Flynn. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the 53rd session of the Smart Passive Income Podcast, the first podcast here in 2013 and I'm really excited just to tell you right off the bat really important announcement uh, that these podcast sessions are actually going to become more of a regular item this year and beyond this year so what what does that mean exactly that means that it is my goal from this point forward to produce a weekly podcast for you yes that's right a new session every week And I'm going to do my best to stick to that schedule. So every Wednesday, boom, SPI in your brain. Uh, And at this rate, I think if my calculations serve me correctly, I should be over 100 episodes in total by the end of 2013, uh, which would be awesome. And so, you know, thank you for all your support, all of the reviews. That's that's just encouraging me so much. Now, you might be asking, so why now? Why after two years have I finally decided to do this on a regular basis instead of what I was doing, which was, you know, a couple episodes a month, not really set for a particular day or date? Well, it's actually a number of different reasons, to be honest. And you've probably heard me mention before that the podcast has been the number one way that people have found out about me. You know, I've ran, I've ran a survey on my blog with over 7,500 respondents, and the number one way people found about SPI or Pat Flynn was the podcast, which is incredible. But I think beyond that, I just have this feeling, this feeling that podcasting is going to explode even more into people's everyday lives. It's going to become more normal for people to listen to podcasts. I mean, you guys are normal. You're listening to me and, and you're ahead of the game. But, you know, I was I was sitting at New Media Expo in Vegas uh, last week at the Podcast Awards. You know, it was very cool. Leo Laporte was there. He was hosting it. Uh, and, and, uh, the podcast, my podcast was actually up for two awards, which I unfortunately did not win. Uh, I didn't get enough votes, but we'll, we'll try again next 
next year if I'm lucky enough to be nominated. But my point here is that I was I was at the awards. It was a packed room, a packed room with hundreds of people, podcasters, podcast listeners, all incredibly excited about where podcasting is headed. I mean, the vibe was awesome. And I, and I, I swear, if you if you if you have a platform and you want to build a bigger audience and, and really create a deep connection with people, kind of have like we're creating this connection between you and I right now, as you listen to me, you must start a podcast. I highly recommend it. Luckily, I have a free tutorial to help you out. Um, if you go to podcastingtutorial.com, you can check it out there. No fees, no emails, no opt-ins necessary. It's all right there. Nothing but pure content to help you get your podcast up and running. I'm a big believer that podcasting is going to be even bigger than it is already. It's already done so many things for me. So check that out at podcastingtutorial.com. And if that's not enough to, co- to convince you, check this out. So while at New Media Expo, you know, I have this, I have this backpack. It's red and white. It says, hello, my name is Pat on it. And so I had a lot of people come up to me uh, during the expo and thank me and stuff, which was awesome. But some even wanted to take pictures, which is pretty cool. And I don't think I'll ever get over that. Um, it's just it's just so crazy. But you want to know what most of these people said to me, you know, after the initial greeting? It was usually something about the podcast. Thank you for your podcast. I listen to your podcast on the way to work or at the gym. I love what you're doing with your podcast, Pat. Podcast, 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 podcast. Hardly anyone mentioned the blog you know it was incredible that convinced me that i just needed to go hard with the podcast this year continue to deliver content through my voice and i recommend that you do the same obviously i'll continue to write posts on the blog each week and shoot videos when necessary and speaking of new media expo i just wanted to say thanks to everyone who came out to the buffet dinner i hosted on sunday night at the rio carnival buffet a hundred people showed up and we chow down on all kinds of food. And, and seriously, that was one of the longest. It was one of the longest buffets I've ever seen. And the food was really good too. Lots of great connections were made. Lots of good times. Lots of smiles. I mean, that's really all I wanted uh, when setting this up. This up, I just wanted people to connect and smile. And that's what was going on. And, and what was cool is that I was actually able to surprise everyone and kind of take care of the bill on my own, which I was more than happy to do. You know, it was just another way of uh, me trying to give back for all the support. And plus, it had it sort of had to do with my presentation, which is about the power of giving stuff away for free in your business and what that can do uh, for you and your results. And that presentation actually uh, was recorded on video. It'll be up on YouTube possibly uh, in, in the next week or two. It could be in a podcast session as well, at least a summary of it because the information in that session was very important and a lot of people have already been implementing the strategies there and seeing results um i have a guy editing the audio and the video right now so thanks to all of you who came out to the buffet thanks to those of you who intended my presentation uh to those of you who wished me best of luck as i was stressing out preparing for it and just any of you out there listening to this right now thanks so much and here's to you and i in an amazing 2013 so now that it's the new year you know kind of transitioning a little bit. Uh, now that's the new year, you know, a lot of people are in kind of resolution mode. You know, big fat goals are on people's minds. And for many people, it's starting their own business or venturing into some kind of side business or, or, or something within your business and taking it to the next level. And with me, you know, I didn't start my business because I wanted to. I was almost thrown into it because I was the only, it was the only solution for me after getting laid off, you know, after looking for another job, not having any 
quote, luck with that. Uh, so when things started to happen, I almost didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't have any time to prepare uh, or read up on it very much. I didn't have any people to go to for help. I sort of just read a couple articles online, jumped right into it, uh, you know, jumped right into the deep end, the doggy paddled my way around and, and finally found my stroke. And it took a while to figure things out. And, and you know, I'm, I'm still figuring things out. But that's why I wanted to talk about this stuff today. Not so much the online business strategies or kind of what's working and what's not. We have a lot of that information on the on the podcast and on the blog already, and we're going to have a lot more of it later this year. But this session is dedicated to those things I wish I knew about building a business in general that I didn't know before. I mean, like I said, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I love what I do. Don't get me wrong. I've never been happier, but a lot of what I do sort of behind the scenes to keep this business running, for a lack of a better term, is, is unexpected or was unexpected. So my goal here today is to help you know what to expect and potentially how to deal with certain things and situations that may arise while starting up your business or what, you know, a business that you have going on already and sort of what decisions uh, you, you possibly might have to make. You know, it's just great to know about this stuff before, we, before you dive into it. So please note, this is the kind of disclaimer before I say any of this stuff. You know, I'm not an expert. I do what I do, and I report about it. That's just what I do. You know, but in no way, shape, or form am I a lawyer or a professional. So, you know, soak all of this information in as you wish. But if you're going to start a business of your own, or if you have one already, definitely seek help from a professional that, uh, you know, will know all the legal stuff behind it. And, and that is actually something we'll be talking about a lot, especially when it comes to things like taxes and stuff. So... You know, let's get right into it. I mean, so where do we start? You know, again, this is stuff that uh, I didn't know I was getting myself into when I was started when I was starting my business. So, I guess we can just begin about talking about how much work is involved. Uh, and, and, and yeah, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about may sound kind of scary or like it's a lot of work or it's a hassle, but this is the price of becoming an entrepreneur. You know, it's it's part of the hustle, and those that can manage this stuff or figure it out. Those are the people who are going to succeed in the long run. And like I said, you don't need to, to know how to do everything. You don't need to master it all. There's a lot of stuff to take in when it comes to actually venturing out on your own and starting your own business. And you can learn along the way. I mean, that's sort of what I did. But the more you know now, the better, which is why we have this session today. And so the first thing really is just knowing that you're going to have to play more than one role. You know, you're going to have to wear the hat uh, you're going to have to wear many hats, I guess you could say, uh, is what I was trying to say. So whereas working a nine to five job, you, you have one specific set of tasks, right? You know, your job description, you know, that's just what you do. For example, as a drafter uh, in, in the architectural industry, I was responsible for putting design drawings into AutoCAD and making sure everything was per, you know, building code. Then you have the job captains above the drafters who kind of oversee the drafters and work directly with the project managers. The project managers are the ones who sort of oversee the specific design projects who are typically the architects involved and the ones who communicate with the clients and other consultants. Although at my architecture firm and at a lot of architectural firms, uh, you know, they, they, they have their own design team. So the, pro the pro project managers would work with the design team and everyone, you know, all this to say, everyone had their own little hats to fill and did their own specialized thing. And then there's also, you know, the secretaries who would set up meetings and take phone calls. And there's the accountants and the HR department. Again, each doing their own little specialized thing. Now, when you work on your own, 
especially at the beginning, you are the head of HR, you are the accounting department, you are the design team and the project manager, and oftentimes, especially in the beginning, you are the drafter too, the one doing all the grunt work. And it can be very overwhelming at times to, to wear all these hats. But, you know, it can be very exciting too. I mean, I love that I can say I'm on my own and I can do more than one thing, that I know about accounting and I know about bookkeeping and taxes and, and all the legal stuff. But I also know that the reason a lot of corporations do so well is because, you know, they're like a machine. You know, they, they have experts doing their own thing in each specific department. And I think that's eventually kind of where you want things to go when you start your own business. You know, in other words, even though you're on your own or are going to be on your own, you have to be smart about what you do with your time. And if you end up doing everything all of the time, eventually you're gonna get to a point where you're going to be doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing or doing stuff that you probably don't want to do, uh, which is gonna take away from the stuff that you should be doing to take your business to the next level. You know, in the beginning, I tried to wear every single hat. I tried to be the CPA and do the tax thing on my own. Major failure. There was just so much to know. Uh, So what did I end up doing? I hired a local CPA, a certified public accountant, and he helped me figure things out. I mean, I'm happy that I did try things on my own because I can at least understand the language a little bit. If I didn't, you know, it'd be a little scary just handing everything in my business over that has to do with money, not knowing exactly what's going on, and then all of a sudden having to pay X amount of dollars in taxes, uh, not knowing where all that, you know, where those figures came, came from. You know, a good CPA will walk you through exactly what's going on, how much you owe, how much, you know, all that stuff. I'm very thankful for the one I'm currently working with. So going back a little bit, actually, uh, a common question I get is when should I incorporate, you know, either as an LLC or an S corporation, you know, do I do this after I start making money or should I incorporate before? Again, I'm not a professional, uh, but many of you know my story. When I first started out, I didn't incorporate because I didn't really know what I was doing. I had uh, this website about the lead exam for a couple of years. Uh, Then I published a book, and all of a sudden, I was generating thousands of dollars a month from it. It was after that point, I tried to figure things out on my own, but like I said, it got too complicated, so I hired a CPA who helped me out. Luckily, I was smart enough to keep track of all my expenses, Uh, when I was just starting out so that when I was incorporated, I can go back and add all that up and I could write that all off. And I saved a bit of money that way. So, so I need a sip of water real quick. That's right, unedited folks. Um, (laughs) So the CPA helps me with taxes, but another important hat that I used to wear that, uh, you know, when I hired someone to wear this for me, it was just a godsend uh, was was my bookkeeper, you know, the person who keeps track of all the money that comes in and keeps track of all the money that comes out. This is different from the CPA, who's someone who mostly deals with tax strategies and stuff like that. The bookkeeper keeps track of what what money comes in, where it comes from, and also what money goes out of my business and where it's spent. The bookkeeper I'm working with now is actually a part of the same company of the CPA that I'm working with, which is very convenient, and and she's she's amazing. I mean, she she has she actually has access to my bank accounts and credit card statements. Um, not she can't make transactions, but she can see everything that's going on, what's coming in, what's going out, and she's able to see uh, everything that goes on and can keep track of everything for me from 
you know, checks from Google, from AdSense, or direct electronic payments from customers and clients, or affiliate payments from companies whose products I promote, anything that I purchase, it's all in there, recorded electronically, and she puts it all into the balance sheet, which my CPA then looks at for tax purposes. And the bookkeeper has just taken such a huge, huge load off of my shoulders. I can't even express how thankful I am for for Dana. Uh, Dana is actually her name. Actually, I worked with one before Dana who actually I hired through Elance, uh, which sounds kind of funny to have a bookkeeper through Elance. But there's a lot of bookkeepers on, on Elance. Um, her name is Latrika, and she was she was awesome. Um, you know, obviously I selected her because she had great feedback and a lot of repeat customers and things like that. But I had to switch to the new one because it just made sense since uh, since Dana works with my CPA. But the one I found on Elance was great. You know, I, I actually didn't trust her enough to have access to my accounts herself. So I, I would send her statements at the end of every month and she would record everything from there. So, you know, bookkeeper, great help. I would highly recommend getting one once you start to earn a little bit of money. They keep track of everything for you and it can become a big headache, especially if you're doing affiliate marketing or you have a lot of different products or a lot of different businesses. Um, it was, it, I can't even, like I said, express how thankful I am for my bookkeeper. So another thing money-wise that sort of caught me off guard at first was the fact that, uh, and I, you know, again, I'm, I was a total newbie. I didn't know about this. I know a lot of people are in the same same situation. Uh, I didn't know that I would have to pay estimated taxes quarterly during the year. So what that means is in January, April, June, and September each year, I have to pay the government and the state uh, that I live in, uh, California, a certain amount of money. Uh, a fourth of the total estimate on what I will owe at the end of the year. Now, if I overpay uh, at the end of the year, if I find out I paid too much based on the you know estimates that I paid earlier, uh, then I get a refund. If I underpay uh, what I truly owe, then I owe more. So first, I never knew about this. So when I first started working with my CPA, I was like, what? You mean I, I have to pay now? Like, don't I just pay at the end of the year? You mean I don't get to keep all the money that I, that I earned? Um, you know, it's, very wishful thinking. Like, you know, when you're working a nine-to-five job, a little bit of your paycheck goes a little bit to this thing and that thing, and, you know, it's not exactly as much as you thought it was going to be, right? Well, this quarterly thing is exactly how it works for businesses. It's the same type of thing, uh, at least for LLCs. So the key thing to think about here is just to make sure you have enough money to pay what you're going to owe. A lot of people, I'm sure, spend most of their earnings, uh, or I know a lot of people have done this before, they spend a lot of their business earnings and when it's time to pay their quarterly estimates or you know how much they owe at the end of the year, they don't have enough money to cover it. So my general rule of thumb is, from what I've been advised to do, is to actually make sure I keep half of my earnings for tax purposes, half, 50%. And that's a lot of money, uh, and it's never exactly 50%, but sometimes it's close. And so any money that I earn each month I make sure to save at least half of that in an account that is set up just for money that will be used to pay taxes. This ensures that I will never have to dip into any of my savings or investment accounts to pay for taxes. And just since we're kind of halfway through the session here, I just want to say, I know this is kind of boring stuff. Um, I hope it is kind of as entertaining as it can be at this point in time and with the show. And you're going to have to learn this eventually if you're going to venture out. So I hope uh, this is useful information and you're getting um, some good stuff out of this. Okay, so moving on. Let's move away from the money stuff and talk about something that I know is on a lot of people's minds when it comes to working on their own, and that is healthcare. Yep, I dropped the word in, healthcare. healthcare. 
help care. It should be called help care because we need a lot of help when it comes to health care. Um, I don't even know where to start with this. And again, I'm not an expert in this. And, and I do have an interesting story, though, an interesting and very personal story to tell about health care. So I'll, I'll try to make this quick. Um, so I'm working my nine, uh, I'm working my nine to five job. Obviously, I, I do have health care through them. I think it was through Pacific Care or, or Health.net or something like that. I can't remember exactly. And then I learned I was going to get laid off. So healthcare is the last thing on my mind at this point. And it's really, uh, th- this point is when I was really focused focused on what I was going to, to do next, my, my new business. Uh, but then I officially got laid off and my healthcare extended for like an additional month. And then I got this notice in the mail for something called a COBRA extension, the COBRA, like the snake. And uh, that meant I could pay a premium to keep my health coverage from my employer, the same health coverage I had with my employer for another 18 months. So it would cover me for another 18 months, but it was ridiculous. It was like 600, 700 bucks. So I didn't do it. I found private health insurance uh, for, you know, 250 bucks a month. I was pretty healthy. I think I still am uh, pretty young. And so the premium wasn't too expensive. Now, this is where it gets crazy. You know, my wife and I, we were going to, uh, we get married in, in February of 2009. We head to Hawaii for our honeymoon. Loved it. Came back. We got a dog. His name's Gizmo. And, you know, it was actually great training because in May, we found out that we were pregnant with our first child. Woohoo. Except, whoops, we didn't get April in healthcare. Totally rookie mistake. She uh, didn't have a job. And we both moved back home with our parents just to save money. And uh, we were young and we didn't know what we were doing. So she didn't have health care and she got pregnant. So the first thing I do after celebrating is freak out because I didn't, you know, I, I knew that doctor visits and hospital bills would cost a pretty penny. So I was like, okay, let's just get April hooked up on insurance now. Maybe it'll cost a little bit extra because she's already pregnant. So I call around to get coverage and guess what? It ain't going to happen. Pregnancy back then was uh, what's called a pre-existing condition, which means that, you know, these companies, and it sort of makes sense, you know, these companies don't want to pay, you know, they don't want to cover a person who they know they're going to have to pay for because, you know, there's a baby coming. And I, you know, I can't can't confirm, but I I think that may have recently changed. I don't know if pregnancy could still be considered a pre-existing condition, but it was at the time, and it sucked because, I mean, we just couldn't get any coverage. And I mean, there were some special programs for low-income families to get healthcare and maternity stuff all taken care of and stuff like that. But because of my income from my businesses and because we were married, uh, I was above the cutoff. So we only had a few options and these are gonna sound crazy. So the first option we had, and you know, I talked to so many people trying to figure this out. It was such a headache. And again, stupid move on us. We didn't get health insurance before uh, she got pregnant. I mean, it wasn't an unplanned pregnancy, but we were just, I don't know. Anyways, the first option we had uh, was to, <laughs> this is going to sound really crazy, um, was to get divorced so that April uh, could get coverage on her own since she didn't have any income. She would qualify for that low-income stuff. And let me just say, you know, this technically would work, but it's not the best of ideas. Like, hey, uh, you know, let's get divorced. Okay, yeah, that went over well. No, didn't happen. Number two. Just hope for the best and cover costs on my own. You know, I learned that if I did do this, the hospitals would waive some of the fees since it was self-pay, but the cost would still be significant, especially if something unforeseen happened at the hospital, uh, God forbid. I mean, just side note, what's crazy, I mean, yeah, 
pregnancy is a pre-existing condition. I get it. But what if like there, we're in a car accident or something that has nothing to do with the pregnancy? I mean, I, we couldn't even get coverage for that. I mean, ugh, such a headache. Healthcare, everybody. Um, and, and, and option number three, this was actually something my CPA recommended. My CPA recommended this. I could hire my wife and my company. So we'd be a company of two people. We get small business insurance for the both of us. And since it was a business insurance, the pregnancy would not count as a pre-existing condition. This was back in 2009. And we'd be okay. So this is what we tried to do. We actually tried to figure this out. But there were a lot of hoops and things to go through before it could actually happen. I had to officially hire my wife as an employee, which meant I had to register with the state of California's employee development department. I had to get business insurance or business insurance. I had to get payroll software set up and and I actually gave my wife a pay stub every two weeks for the work that she'd do, which was mostly, you know, administrative type stuff in my business. It was crazy. And then we had to sign up for uh like I said, for business insurance and all this stuff. And by the time it was everything was finally in place, we learned that the insurance would go live for us on January 1st, 2010. It was ready to go, which is perfect timing because our son was due just a few weeks after that. So we had a couple weeks of leeway. Then guess what? On December 23rd, 2009, I wake up and my wife tells me that her water broke. And, um, you know, funny story, I was half asleep when she told me this. And she, she's like, honey, my water broke. And I was half asleep, so I was like, I'll fix it later. I she, I don't even remember that, but she tells me that's what I said. I'll fix it later. But then I realized what actually happened. Um, we totally weren't packed. We weren't ready for it. Again, this is us being young and stupid and not really thinking ahead. Um, I, I forgot how to put my pants on and, and, I, and I went on the way, you know, all the way to the hospital. That's when I realized that we were going to have to pay the entire thing ourselves. So I just prayed and prayed for a healthy delivery because he was three weeks early so he was going to be tiny which meant he could have he could be in the NICU for however many days you know which is going to cost you know four or five thousand dollars a day if, if if that were the case uh or what if something even more tragic happened I don't know needless to say we were praying uh and playing with fire here and we were so lucky that we were only uh there for two days everything went smoothly and even though everything was perfect we still owed sixteen thousand dollars uh, which luckily I had saved up enough money for in an emergency fund, and my business was doing well, so it, it was okay, luckily. So the lesson here is uh, emergency funds are awesome. Um, so may, I, you know, I'm not a personal finance blogger or anything, but I've used one, and this is a special case, and, and it, it came in very handy. Uh, always be prepared, and healthcare is such a mess. I mean, again, I had no one to talk to about this. I think if I would have helped... Uh, I think it would have helped so much if I had just found someone with experience and just asked asked around and asked people on social media or even followers or friends, you know, just to, to see what your options are and explore your options. Ask your CPA if you have one too. They're a wealth of knowledge. I mean, they, they deal with this stuff all the time. Oh, sorry, I kind of took longer than expected to tell that story, but that, that story just always freaks me out. We were so, so, so lucky. So hope maybe this helps some of you just maybe it's a wake up call for some of you. I don't know. So what else didn't they tell me before starting my own business? Well, another biggie that I know a lot of other entrepreneurs feel this way. Um, it's a little lonely. It's a little lonely. I mean, I don't have coworkers to chat with anymore. Uh, there's no water cooler talk or run ins with people at the coffee machine. All of that interaction is gone. And it, and, and it does get a little lonely. Now, I do have Skype. 
and a lot of contacts on there, and I do instant message and voice chat and video chat with people from time to time. I mean, my buddy Chris Ducker from ChrisDucker.com, he and I have great conversations about random stuff um, just whenever we can. I mean, he, he's that much of a friend to me, and we just have that connection, and it just it just if without that, without talking to Chris and other people, uh, I would go insane, you know, that's why I love my weekly mastermind groups. I can talk about business. But beyond that, I have these friends online where I can talk about things other than business. And don't get me wrong. I love my family. You know that. But my son talks about Buzz Lightyear 24-7. Uh, the only thing coming out of my daughter's mouth right now is drool. And my wife, I love her, but she's just not that into my business stuff. And I can't really talk about football and other things with her like I can with some of my buddies. Again, it gets a little lonely. Now, after getting, uh, after getting laid off, I realized how much we as humans uh, really rely on that human interaction to feel like we're part of a group. So my advice to you here is that if you're going to venture out on your own or you are on your own already, it's, it's good to get out every once in a while and connect with people in person. Uh, online too, yes, but in person if you can. There's nothing like meeting people in person, shaking their hands or giving hugs or whatever. That's why anytime a reader or a listener of mine emails me and is like, hey, Pat, I'm going to be in San Diego this weekend. Are you free? I always do my best to get out of the house and, and hang out for a couple of hours. I just I just feel like I need that. You know, humans need that. And what's cool is I'm building deeper uh, connections with people, uh, having fun, having a meal or some coffee. You know, it's awesome. I've met some amazing people from all over the world who have just come through san diego randomly you know from germany france romania poland they just come for one reason or another they, they don't come just to see me but they they knew i was here and they reached out and yeah we'd hang out for a bit i mean it's pretty cool so another thing they don't tell you uh you know it's like people are always talking about leaving the nine to five quit your nine to five freedom yeah work whenever you want but the reality of it is you need some sort of schedule nobody told me this even though you're working on your own, you need some sort of schedule. At first, I wasn't on a schedule, and I would find myself doing two things. One, I would find myself working too much. Number two, I would find myself always having work on my mind. Without that schedule, you know, that time of the day when we know we shouldn't be in work mode anymore, you know, like after 5 p.m. if you're working a nine-to-five job, if you have any sort of entrepreneurial fire inside of you, you're going to keep working on stuff. You will never stop. If you're single and living by yourself, this could be okay, although like I said, you should totally try to get out and meet people, get out of the house a little bit. But if you are living with a partner or a spouse, if you have kids, it's really important to stick to a schedule as much as possible for the benefit of you and your business so others know when you're in work mode or in work hours and they won't interrupt you or bother you. But even more so, at least for me, it's, it's for your family and your loved ones and those who live with you. So you can be 100% with them not thinking about your business during the middle of a conversation, which I have done before. You know, I used to do that so much and it just wasn't good. It's not fair to whoever you're talking with. Uh, whoever you're talking to. So finding that schedule, that uh, schedule that works best for you is the key. What works best for you? You know, there's no, there's no universal solution to this. You kind of have to figure it out. It doesn't have to be nine to five. And depending on your business and how automated it is, it doesn't have to be eight hours. For me, um, you know, it's, it's four to five hours a day I, I, I work. You know, it's not four hours a week. I don't know how that's even possible. Uh, but, you know, you want to work to try and automate things as much as possible. And I mean, that's the whole idea of smart passive income. So here's what my schedule looks like. 
So I get up in the morning uh, with my kids, typically around 8 a.m. Uh, we hang out, we play, I make breakfast, you know, bacon and eggs. Um, I'm on the paleo diet, so that's okay. And my mind is totally on them. I'm not thinking about business at all. My wife, she sleeps in. She has the hardest job in the world. She's a mom, so she deserves a little bit of sleepy time in the morning. Um, when she wakes up, we hang out as a family, which I love. Again, I am just thinking about family at this point and just maybe where we're going to go during the middle of the day. Uh, lunchtime rolls around, and then the kids go down for a nap, or at least my son does. My wife takes my daughter. Uh, my wife takes my daughter, if if not, and that's when I can get some initial planning done. Uh, work-wise for the evening or take care of any interviews or Skype calls. That's why if you ever ask me to do a Skype call or an interview of some kind, it's typically between 1 and 3 p.m. Then after that, uh, we usually get out of the house a little bit. We try to get out of the house. We take care of errands or something like that, and then dinner, then bath time, and then sleepy time for the kids. Depending on what day it is, I'll either jump straight into work mode after that uh, once the kids are asleep or spend an hour to an hour and a half with my wife, you know, just her and I uh, catching up on some TV or just talking, you know, you know, the DVR is there. When it's time to work, it's typically around 9 p.m. And then I go full steam until maybe 1 to 2 a.m. with a couple of 15-minute breaks in between. During this time, I'm taking care of whatever I had planned earlier. I record my podcast sessions during this time because I just feel more focused at night. I assign work for my VAs uh, since it's perfect timing. And, I, you know, when I assign work at night, when I wake up, it's already done, which is awesome. Um, I just take care of business during that time. I do design work if I need to. I do whatever. That's when I get my work done between maybe 8 and 9 uh, p.m. and you know 2 a.m. in the morning. And then I go to sleep, wake up with my, with my kids again, and that's my day. Your day could and probably is completely different. And to be honest, this schedule is actually just maybe six month six months old for me. It was it, it was random before. You know, I tried the morning thing, and I'm just I'm just not a morning person when it comes to work related stuff. You have to sort of experiment a little, figure stuff out on your own. Try one way for a while. If it doesn't work, try something else until you and your body and your and those people who live with you are comfortable and all understand each other. You know, I'm totally in the groove now, which is perfect for 2013 because I, I have a lot of great things planned and it's totally right now, it's 1246 a.m. Uh, I'm recording this at 1246 a.m. So I am in work mode right now, just like I talked about. So the last thing I want to talk about is how other people will react to either your decision to start your own business or the fact that you are working on your own business. How other people view people who do business online can be weird sometimes and sometimes very unexpected. You know, I've, I've had the entire spectrum of reactions from people, from people who are like, dude, that's awesome, congrats, uh, to people who are like, wow, really, get a real job. I mean, I've had, I've had both ends uh, of the spectrum, and it's, it's weird, you know, especially when I was first starting out and my business was, was just getting started. There are a lot of non-believers out there. You know, people who will try to tear you down for, for trying to go the different way. And it's it's the most dangerous of things when starting an online business, those people who will just tear you down. And I'm, I'm not a psychologist or anything like that, and I've said I'm not a lot of things today, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but, you know, I've read that when people try to put you down for trying something new or change or anything like that, it's actually those people who have the issue. 
not you. It's them trying to confirm where they're at or just trying to make themselves feel better. Maybe they're a little jealous that you're trying something new and they just want to fill in a void that they have about where they are in life and it, it, it's usually putting you down. I mean, that that's bullying, you know? It's it's a form of bullying. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy stuff, but it's real. And, and like I said, it's incredibly dangerous to be around. I mean, I was very, very lucky to have the support of my wife when going through this process of uh, the the transition from nine to five, or actually it was like nine to seven in architecture world uh, to online business. But I did have a few people, some friends, uh, some family actually too, who thought I was going down the wrong path or who had offered a different solution for me. And I don't blame them, you know, or think they were wrong. I just, you know, I, I understood where they were coming from. But you just got to be careful. I mean, there's this thing I learned uh, about from Adam Baker called the bucket of crap. So apparently, if you put a bunch of live crabs into a bucket, maybe you go to the market or something and buy a bunch of crabs, uh, no crabs will ever crawl out. No crabs will ever crawl out because once one crab tries to crawl out, the other crabs kind of take their pinchers and pull that crab back down into the pile. Now, you have to think about your life as a bucket and you trying to crawl out of it sometimes, right? And you have to be aware of those crabs who are trying to pull you back down to join the rest of the group. And sometimes we can't avoid that, especially if it's family. You know, you just can't get rid of family sometimes. Uh, but what you can do, which I definitely attribute to my success as well, and, and you've probably heard me say this many times before and other people say this, what you have to do is you have to surround yourself with people who will lift you up, who will encourage you and help you achieve your goals, help you actually get out of that bucket, not pull you back down. You are the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. I think I, I, think I read this uh, in a Life Hacker article by Leo Widrich, who I, um, is actually the creator of Buffer App, which is one of my favorite applications online, actually. Uh, Buffer App is what it's called. Um, he said, you are the average of the five people uh, you spend most of your time with. And when you work from home or you're on your own and uh, you know, you're not spending that much time with people. You know, it's likely you're spending most of your time with people who aren't going to necessarily help you reach your goals. Now, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't just ignore people or just completely avoid those who aren't in line with what you're doing entrepreneurially. Uh, just don't discuss your ideas and your businesses with them, plain and simple. I mean, it only stresses you out to try and convince someone you're doing the right thing when, especially at first, you aren't even sure if it's going to work, right? Talk about your business with others who are doing the same thing, who have done what you want to do and uh, or doing what you're doing and, and the conversation and your energy will just be that much better. You know, surround yourself with like, uh, like-minded people. Now, speaking of that, kind of transitioning away from uh, the content of the podcast here into to another sort of announcement. Um, speaking of surrounding yourself with uh, like-minded people, I recently mentioned in a post where I discussed my plans for 2013 for Smart Passive Income that I was going to put together um, a series of, of what I like to call learning groups, sort of a, I guess you could call it a mastermind group, but it'll be primarily focused on a specific goal that I'm going to be focusing on at that specific time. Um, like, a case study that I and these members of this group will be participating in. And I will act as, as sort of a mentor, but more like a colleague or a group member, like everyone else working toward this specific goal. And, um, you know, I'm still working out how this is going to work, 
what platform we'll be on to meet up and how this is all going to happen, you know, the application and selection process. It's going to be a small group of people every time I do this, and I'm going to hopefully do this a number of times uh, in the future. I just want to let you know here on the podcast that, that this is happening, that I am working on it. So look out for an announcement on the blog in the future about that. I mean, we could possibly be working together on something with a few other people all working toward this common goal. I mean, we're, we'll share our results uh, publicly um, and help the rest of the community together. We'll just be the ones kind of, uh, you know, in the midst of it. And other people might join, it, join in too. But, you know, I really want a core group of people so that we can all work together, use the power of the mastermind group and learning from each other to just really knock it out of the park for all of us and be a, be a great example for the rest of uh, rest of the community so i'll keep you posted on that i know a lot of you are, are excited about that and and i am just as excited about that so to sum up this session starting an online business is wonderful it has changed my life it, it could possibly change yours but it also introduced me to a lot of things that were unexpected that i wish i had known about or at least given some thought to before i had gotten into it so I hope this podcast session gives you an opportunity to at least realize what's ahead of you or maybe you're already working on your own and you can now think of some stuff that you're doing now in a different light or in a more fulfilling way or maybe there's some uh, action that you need to take after the, after listening to this. I don't know. I just hope that this is helpful because I know that I wish I had known about this stuff earlier. So as always, please stop by the blog, uh, leave a comment. I would love to hear from you. Let me know what you think. Ask questions, leave your opinion. Get the show notes and the links for this session or leave comments at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 53 and look out for a new podcast episode next week. Woo Here we go, people. This is uh, the start of a great series of podcasts. Um, yeah, let's just let's just rock it out. Let's do it. All right, thanks for your support. We'll chat again soon and peace out. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So, podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.